The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Today's show is sponsored in part by Celgene, Lilly Oncology, and Onyx Pharmaceuticals. Over the years, frankly speaking about cancer, has covered such a wide variety of topics designed to help our listeners live well with cancer. One of the common themes that always comes up uh, during the show is support, from supportive services to resources to communities and loved ones. And today's show is going to focus on another way to find support throughout the cancer journey. It's no secret that most of us spend a lot of our time online, whether we're using social media, shopping, watching those crazy cat viral videos. But the Internet is also a great place to find support throughout the cancer journey, whether you're a patient or a caregiver. And today we're going to focus on a few different ways you can find cancer support online. Uh, We have three terrific uh, guests joining us today to talk about online cancer support. We have got Michael States, Dr. Jill Mitchell, and Marsha Donzinger. Our first guest is Michael States. Michael is an experienced psychotherapist in private practice who specializes in working with individuals and groups in the area of medical, chronic, and life-threatening illness. As a psychotherapist and patient navigator who focuses on medical support counseling, Michael addresses the breadth of patient and family needs across all stages and phases of an illness and other Life Transitions. Michael served as a clinical program director at the Cancer Support Community Benjamin Center for more than 20 years, where she facilitated more than 4,000 face-to-face support groups. She's facilitated online support groups for the Cancer Support Community online community since their inception in 1998, and I have known Michael since that time. Welcome to the show, Michael. Pardon me? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Also joining us is Dr. Jill Mitchell. Dr. Jill Mitchell is an oncology social worker with Rocky Mountain Cancer Centers. For more than 15 years, she has worked, studied, or done research on people's experiences with cancer and other illnesses and how they come to cope and make meaning through that experience. In addition to offering one-on-one counseling to patients and facilitating support groups, Dr. Mitchell hosts a quarterly online lecture series for psychosocial oncology professionals in the U.S. and abroad, and she collaborates on research of a group intervention for distressed post-treatment survivors. Dr. Mitchell is also a a prior vice president of the board for MyLifeline.org and currently serves on MyLifeline's Clinical Advisory Council. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Jill Mitchell. 
Thank you, Kim, and thanks for the opportunity to be on the call. All right. And also with us is Marsha Donzinger. Marsha is the founder and chief mission officer of MyLifeline.org, an organization that empowers people living with cancer and their caregivers to build an online support community of family and friends to foster connection, inspiration, and healing through free, personalized websites. Marsha was diagnosed with cancer in 1997 when she was 27 years old and learned how difficult updating friends and family on her health progress was while she is she was in treatment. Um, we're certainly so pleased to have Marsha on the show and, and pleased to be a partner of MyLifeLine.org. Welcome, Marsha. Thank you, Kim. I'm going to start with you, Marsha. We've got a lot to uh, cover. I just wanted to share with our listeners a little bit of background about each of you because you all have such impressive resumes and so much to share um, in the discussion today. But I, I want to ask you, Marsha, um, uh, let's start by really getting our heads around this topic of online support and why it can be such an important part of the um, cancer journey. We just talked about the fact that you are a cancer survivor, obviously diagnosed at a very young age. Can you share your story with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my lifeline.org was really born out of the need for a service that I could have used when I was going through treatment in 1997. Um, I was diagnosed at 27 with stage 3 ovarian cancer, and what I struggled with the most was keeping my friends and family up to date with what was going on during my treatment process. Um, I was always overwhelmed with a long list of people to return calls to that were just friends calling because they were concerned, wanted to know what they could do to help. I didn't know exactly what they could do at the time that they asked me, and uh, I never had a good way of mobilizing the support that was offered to me, so um, therefore I felt very alone and isolated during my treatment process, which um, was, you know, surgery followed by six months of chemotherapy. Um, so a few years later, a friend of mine, Lori, was diagnosed with brain cancer at the age of 33. Her friends created this beautiful website for her and her husband to use to, to um, update everyone at once, all of their friends and family at once with what was going on, um, what help they needed, what people could do to support them. And as a, as a, a guest or a, a friend on her site, it was such a powerful experience for me to be involved um, over the two years of her treatments. Unfortunately, she passed away and at the age of 35, and I couldn't stop thinking about her. And I know largely it was because of that site that kept us all connected as a community. And I talked to her mom about a month after she died, and her mom said, that website was our lifeline. Hmm. And that's what gave me the idea that every person um, diagnosed with cancer and their loved ones should be able to easily communicate with everyone to get the help they need, um, even if they don't have a friend in the web business like Lori did. So MyLifeLine.org was created to host um, thousands and someday hopefully millions of patient sites so that, so that we can get the communication um, the communication burden solved and and move on and have people reserve their energy instead of calling everyone back individually and and knowing exactly what's needed at a point of time that someone asked just to really organize everything to give them more control during their treatment process. So let's uh, so I just want to take the next few minutes, Marsha, to break down um, mylifeline.org um, and if folks are listening, that is the website ah. mylifeline.org. So tell us how it works. How does MyLifeline.org help patients and, and, and caregivers? How does somebody sign up? What are the features and benefits? Tell us a little bit about how it works so we can get our head around that. Okay. Um, so you would just go to MyLifeline.org as a patient or a caregiver, or sometimes we have friends that set it up for the patient and caregiver unit um, to help them organize 
um, their own community. And you would just go to the website. You can click on sign up for your own site. Um, it's a service that's no cost to the patients or, or the caregivers. And on there, you'll find that you have many features. You can customize your site to your personality from a design perspective. Um, and also, there, the features that are most used are the updates where you can update everybody and at, at one time and everyone can make comments to you. And it's all centralized in this communication hub. Um, the helping calendar is one of my favorite features. It, it enables you to easily post your radiation and chemo schedules, get, uh, surgery, biopsies, um, scans, whatever you need to um, to organize your support around these certain events during treatment, um, and then people can sign up to bring you to the doc to you know give you a ride, help with the kids, help with pets while you're in another city getting treated. Um, we have a whole host of, of different. Um, ideas for you to, for caregivers to ask for help for. Um, there's a giving angel section because financial burden is such a huge component, uh, during treatment. Um, you can't work and, and you've got bills piling up, which is not a good combination as we all know. Um, so the giving angels feature allows people to really tactfully let friends and family know if they need help with, with, um, costs not covered by insurance like co-pays or other costs. Uh, maybe a wig, maybe, you know, some books that you need to get a better understanding of different treatment options. Um, and then there's an educational component as well, um, feature on the website called Learning Links, and it has, um, has a wide variety of, of information that is vetted by our oncology advisory council. Um, with, uh, there's over 120 different types of cancer, so it, it leads to, um, to relevant, viable information for each type of cancer. So that's that's a quick overview of some of the features. Yeah, and and Marsha, I know. Um, I mean, you've shared your own story and the story of your friend, and I, I'm sure you've heard from many members of the site over the years about how much it's helped them, you know, through their cancer experience. One or two stories that stand out for you, a, a personal story that stands out for you, or some feedback that you've gotten in, in terms of what this has meant to those who are using it? Yeah, sure. I mean, we receive feedback constantly from people. Um, quotes from, you know, I pulled up a couple in advance. Um, as one is, I maintain the site for my husband in his final days battling esophageal cancer. I received so many remarks on how incredible this tool was to update people on a daily basis and how wonderful it was to allow people to share this journey with us. Please keep this valuable resource available so others can share. It is very powerful. Um, that's one example. Another one is another quote that we received was, this has been a wonderful service. We, we don't have family nearby, and with four small children, we were able to reach out to our church community. They've really stepped up and helped out in ways that would have been difficult or stressful if not for my lifeline. Um, and, and some people we've noticed, um, um, Andy is a man who, who called me when his wife was struggling with pancreatic cancer. Um, she was against having a website in the beginning, and we hear this a lot, too. People really aren't sure if they want to put this out there online. But Andy was so overwhelmed with the constant demands of communication from their family, their friends at church and work, and he, he actually pressed his wife to let him create it as, his, as her caregiver. 
And she finally did. And since they started, the support was overwhelming. She had over 100 friends keeping track of their progress who waited weekly for her updates. And because of the online helping calendar, they had drivers for all chemo and radiation treatments. They had a Mm -hmm. steady stream of meals coming. And my lifeline allowed Andy to continue to work because he had to pay the bills without giving up vacation days. So his wife was taken care of. He was able to pay the bills and 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 reduce some stress that that uh, the financial burden puts on a couple, and um, and these are some of the ways that my lifeline helps. Yeah, I think it's um it's great information, and I you know I can certainly see how people might be hesitant. Um, uh, you know, in the beginning, I imagine some uh-huh. people maybe more, more private or maybe have some privacy concerns, and we're going to get into that um, a little bit in uh, uh, in just a couple minutes. We're um, about to go to our our first break here. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about finding cancer support online. Um, we have uh, with us Michael States, who's a cancer support community online support group uh, facilitator and uh, uh, and a psychotherapist in private practice. We've got Jill Mitchell, Dr. Jill Mitchell, who is an oncology social worker at Rocky Mountain Cancer Centers, and Marsha Donzinger, founder and chief mission officer uh, of My Lifeline. Dot org. We've been talking a little bit about My Lifeline, learning about some of the features and benefits uh, uh, of the site and, and how it's really helped to transform people's lives and make the management of the disease much easier. We're going to take a quick break right here. We're going uh, to p- pull uh, uh, Jill Mitchell and Michael States into the conversation. We've got a lot more to talk about, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, sponsored in part today by Azi, Genentech, and Amgen. Today we're talking about uh, turning to the internet to find support during the cancer journey. Cancer journey. We've got Michael States, Dr. Jill Mitchell, and Marsha Donziger. I want to focus this next segment on uh, specifically online support groups. Um, Michael States, can you start by distinguishing between the different kinds of online support that the cancer support community offers. I know you've been involved um, in this online work with the cancer support community from its early days. Um, And I know there are different uh, services, support groups, discussion boards, online chat. Can you talk about some of these different uh, support services for patients, Michael? I'd be more than happy to. The, the, The thing that I can say first off is there is no recipe for doing this in any one particular way. It's really about the person who's been diagnosed or the caregiver finding the way that works best for them. And so what we offer is really the sort of buffet of options of the ways people can use uh, the, the cancer support community online community. And it's everything from ongoing committed support groups that are facilitated weekly to the discussion boards, and they, one does not mean you can't use the other. It really offers somebody the opportunity to be a part of an ongoing group, and then the discussion board, again, in the same way there's not a recipe, somebody may awaken in the middle of the night and have an anxiety about something or a fear or a thought, and they can go to the discussion board, which is um, full of all kinds of topics from uh, living with cancer in your 20s to diagnosis specific such as breast cancer or support for family and friends, uh, all kinds of opportunities, financial issues, as well as bereavement and caregiver groups. So there are really a variety of ways that people can find that which best suits their needs throughout the cancer journey. But Michael, the the online apart, aside from the discussion boards and the online chat, the the online support groups are. You know, we're talking about, you know, these are real, real-time, Absolutely. small support groups, eight eight people in a group. The small group is, meets privately online at the same time every week, really. That's what we're talking about. Yes, the online groups meet on a weekly basis. They're committed. They really become um, a committed, extended family for one another. The connections that are made are remarkable to, to see and to be with uh, as a facilitator, certainly over the years. When I look at the connections that are made, the, the, there is no screen. We are all virtually in the same room together. And that's such a powerful thing in the ways in which the participants and or the caregivers, whichever kind of group it might be, are there for each other is, is truly a remarkable and powerful thing. And they, they know each other's lives. They know each other's stories in, in ways that are, are truly remarkable and wonderful and poignant. They also connect with each other, each group, each online committed group that meets, again, real-time on a weekly basis, text-based. They can connect with each other during the week between groups through a confidential discussion board that's specific to that group in addition to the open discussion boards. Mm -hmm. So they have, again, a lot of options as the ways to use the group. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's important, really kind of reaching out and meeting people where they are and and providing them with, you know, perhaps the type of support that they're looking for. Um, Dr. Jill Mitchell, um, I imagine in your social work career, you've seen many 
different types of support programs, support uh, interventions, you know, perhaps face-to-face groups. And I know you've been involved with MyLifeline.org for many years. Can you talk to us as a social worker about the value of this, uh, the, the type of online support that we're discussing today? Certainly. So, I mean, you know, definitely social connection is critically important for people when they're going through, well, at any point in time, but especially when you're facing a challenge of cancer. And um, I think we're fortunate that there are so many different options and ways for people to connect. In my area, we offer a variety of of face-to-face support groups and That's wonderful, but the reality is in a lot of places, those aren't necessarily available. And so having cancer support communities professionally facilitated online support groups and resources is just a great resource. Because even though often we have people who, um, who can't get to the groups or can't make the particular times that they're offered, especially for our our survivors who are returning to work or caregivers who may be needed at home, it's much easier for them to call in. But then even we have patients who are too ill to leave the house or they may have a compromised immune system and it's Mm -hmm. safer for them to participate from home. So having that as an option to participate online is wonderful. And I think the professional facilitation is a really key piece. Um, I also know Cancer Support Community has been a real leader in this area, and they've been doing research, um, which is uh, we're all we're all looking to learn more about how these online groups can support people. Well, I think what's interesting um, about what you're saying is that um, whether whether it's that you're 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 doing well, right? You're working through cancer or, mm-hmm. or or after cancer, or whether you're maybe not doing well and you can't get out of the house, or whether you know you've got a demanding schedule. You're taking care of kids. You're taking care of maybe elderly parents, and you can't necessarily drive a half an hour across town to a face to face group. It seems like um, Dr. Mitchell, what you're describing really is a wide range of of folks you know who this can serve. It's not necessarily somebody who just wants the anonymity or wants to be online. It sounds like you're. We're we're really meeting the needs of a diverse array of people through this. Right, absolutely. And sometimes we have patients who have a very rare form of cancer, uh, and they're eager to connect with others. The only way they're going to be able to, to connect with a, mm. a critical mass of patients with the, in their similar situation is through these, is these uh, more national forums. So, um, but then also you mentioned the, the anonymity of participating online. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting paradox because there are some people who feel like they wouldn't be able to connect unless they're Mm face-to-face. And yet, some of the research shows that that people can, some people connect on a much more emotionally intimate level when they have a little physical distance or that sense of Mm -hmm. anonymity, at least initially. Yeah, and and other folks, you know, I remember in the early days of this here at Cancer Support Community and working with Michael and my colleague Mitch Gallant and others, you know, we we had some folks who said, you know, I never would have walked through the door of a support group. But the fact that I can be doing this online, and suddenly it opened in my mind this idea, um, Dr. Mitchell, that suddenly we're reaching a whole new group of of folks, of patients who never may have benefited from support services had it not been for the online services. Do you see that happening? Dr. Mitchell? Yes, I think yeah. that's true. Um, it, definitely. Sometimes it takes that 
for people to sense that connection, whether they start online or not, to realize how helpful all of these resources can be. Yeah. You know, Michael, I know, um, I'm sure you've seen firsthand the difference that online support has made, um, you know, for folks impacted by cancer. Any specific stories or examples that come to mind where, again, maybe folks couldn't get to a group or someone, a specific example of someone who who has benefited from the group um, who may not have benefited otherwise from support services? I think absolutely. Uh, Building on what Dr. Mitchell said, you know, there are people who simply aren't well enough to get to a group. Uh, or who do want the anonymity. But the other thing that I've seen in our groups that happens again and again is that there are people that are in very rural areas that don't have the opportunity or access to even often talk with other cancer patients. And the close-knit nature of, of the online groups, as you said, like with eight people, where they really get to know each other and where they can be as vulnerable as they choose to be. Um, and and perhaps say things that they can't say to their family members for fear of frightening them or that they're walking on eggs or they're feeling protected. And there are no untouchable topics in these groups. And yeah. so they really have the opportunity to to seek support, as well as when you have somebody who comes in that's perhaps been newly diagnosed and can talk with somebody who says, you can get through chemo. I felt the same way as you did. I have yeah. walked in those shoes. Yeah. That yeah. they really have somebody who's extending a hand of hope <laughs> and, and encourages them all the way through that journey. Yeah. I have yeah, one you group, know, as a quick story, one, one yeah. group that is so connected, and they talk about the, the, the family you're born with, and then they call the group, this one particular group, their heart family. Mm-hmm. And that's how they speak to each other. This is to my heart family. Yeah, yeah, really intense. Uh, Dr. Mitchell, we've only got a quick minute or two until the break, but j- just tell us for a minute the importance of these connections and the importance of uh, these human connections through something that's intense as a, as a cancer journey. Right. Well, I think there's a lot of research to show that social support can be a buffer against stress. And so not only does it impact our our felt, our emotional experience of what we're going through and how we cope, but it can also impact how our bodies respond to the stress and even how our immune system responds. Um, so the the other piece I'd say is that, you know, with social support, we talk about that term, and yet uh, it, it's sometimes unclearly defined. And mm-hmm. so I think just to draw a few distinctions, um, we might think about support as being informational. Can you, can you get help getting good medical information? Emotional support. Are you receiving some kind words from friends? Do you have a confidant that you can bear your soul to or peers that you can share with? And instrumental or practical support. And those are things like um, getting help with transportation to an appointment or making meals or uh, having someone mow your lawn. Um, so... And the in-person or online support groups, I think, offer a tremendous amount in the way of informational and emotional support. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, well, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, please. Mm-hmm. You know, especially since we, it's not uncommon to see that sometimes when people are diagnosed and they tell their friends or family ones, not everyone shows up the way you'd hope they would. Right. And so some people do lose friends. And yet I've yeah. seen people make best friends through... Uh, participating in support groups, either live yeah. or connecting yeah. uh, virtually. And, 
Yeah. Right. And sharing that common experience, I think that uh, can really, you know, elevate the experience for folks. Um, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about finding uh, cancer support online. Uh, we're talking about some great resources that are out there for folks. Uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, so don't go away. We'll be right back. I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Today's episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer is sponsored in part by AstraZeneca, Millennium, the Takeda Oncology Company, and Purdue Pharma. We're joined today by Michael States, an online support group facilitator for the Cancer Support Community's host of online support services, Dr. Jill Mitchell, an oncology, oncology social worker at the Rocky Mountain Cancer Centers, and Marsha Donzinger, founder of MyLifeline.org. Um, Dr. Mitchell, let's, uh, you know, we really started talking about the clinical benefit of these human uh, connections. Um, but, you know, what are the signs maybe that a patient or caregiver should look, uh, look for to maybe know that they could benefit from a, from a personal website? You know, let's, let's talk a little bit about mylifeline.org. I mean, Marsha really talked about this idea of just being, feeling overwhelmed and, 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 you know, wanting to connect with people, but maybe not having the energy to do it or wanting to ask for help or, you know, not, not knowing how to do it. I mean, let's talk a little bit about what the, these personal websites have to offer to folks and, and um, how, how folks might know that this is something that, that could be of benefit to them and their family. Right. Well, first of all, I don't think I would wait for signs because uh, <laughs> kudos to Marsha for having the vision to develop uh, MyLifeline.org because, honestly, this is a resource that I think can be potentially beneficial to every patient or caregiver going through cancer. Um, and, you know, I do find that a lot of people may learn about or begin to explore developing their website 
when they're halfway through the treatment process or further on than that, but it really can be beneficial to people from day one of a diagnosis. Um, although a lot of people don't necessarily need a lot of practical help initially, it can quickly become challenging, as Marcia mentioned, to keep the people you want up to date with what's going on with your latest doctor's appointment or scan or the treatment plan. And most people don't want to spend hours on the phone rehashing either the good or the bad details of the latest visit. So uh, um, some people do send out mass emails to friends or family to update them before they develop a website. But I think one of the challenges with that is that those emails are sometimes then forwarded on to people that you don't know or certain people fall off the email list and some relatives are upset that they didn't know what was going on. So it can get very quickly very confusing and difficult to control versus mm-hmm. um, developing your own website. So, so, so let's talk for a minute, Dr. Mitchell, about the caregiver. What what is the benefit of this website um, for the caregiver? And in in your experience, do you find that sometimes it really is the caregiver who takes the lead on keeping the site current? Oh, absolutely. Because um, you know, and you know, it's interesting because when we look at caregivers, they are sometimes even one step further removed from a sense of control in the process, um, and. When you know, we can have a tendency to, if we have a, a spouse or a caregiver or a loved one, to look to them to meet all of our needs when we're going through a crisis or dealing with uh, cancer. And yet, when you put it down on paper or you list out all the different ways that you could benefit from support through a time like this, I mean, that could include things like um, people helping prepare meals or transportation to appointments or um, help with um, managing the financial piece of all of this or mm-hmm. wrangling with insurance companies on the telephone, child or pet sitting. I mean, the list goes on and on, not to mention emotional confidants or people that you could just get together with and have fun with to take a break. It's a huge list, and it's unreasonable to look at one close loved one or friend, caregiver, to meet all of those needs. So the reality is, you know, many of us are very good at, at offering certain kinds of support and help, but none of us are good at all of it. And yeah. um, so it's a critical time to reach out and expand your network. Yeah. And, you know, Marsha, I think that it's so important for our listeners to know that this tool is out there and that this, you know, exists to um, to help folks. Can you talk to us a little bit, Marsha, about what sets mylifeline.org apart from other personal website services? We know that there are some others out there, but what, what makes this site really special? Yeah, yeah. There's three main um, key differentiators with My Lifeline from other blogging type sites. First, um, I believe that focus is really important, and we are focused on people affected by cancer, and that that has to do with how that translates into our service is that we offer cancer-specific information and resources that wouldn't be relevant to other types of illnesses or or other, you know, life-changing situations. 
Um, the second is, is when I first developed my Lifeline, I wanted um, to eventually connect all of the different patients using individual sites with their own friends and family together so that someone who was young like me who had ovarian cancer um, could find another person with ovarian cancer under the age of 30 that I could connect with. Well, since I got into the cancer world, um, I found uh, and have met all these wonderful organizations that, that provide really great peer support um, um, programs. So one of them is Cancer Support Community, and I love how we, we connect um, to your service of, of these shared um, discussion boards and, and online support groups um, mm-hmm. so that we now we do offer the full suite of, of connections available through peers and also through your own friends and family. And then the third is that we are the most comprehensive um, online support tool um, of our kind, um, which and, and it's really focused on, on the cancer-specific caregivers and relieving their burdens, um, reducing their stress and anxiety through the logistical support through the calendar, the financial support through the Giving Angels feature, the updating for the emotional support, and it's all, you know, all in one tool rather than going to various different websites to get that. And Marsha, do you, um, do you see, uh, you know, obviously when a parent has a child diagnosed with cancer, it can be incredibly challenging, incredibly stressful. Do you see parents using mylifeline.org as a tool if their child's going through a cancer diagnosis? We do. We definitely do. I mean, I, I wish that um, we had we had more parents using using my lifeline. It's it's mostly adults that use it right now, um, but we we are going to look into you know what we can do a better job at as far as um, getting you know the parents educated about my lifeline so that they know that they have access to it as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Dr. Mitchell, um, aside from some of the sort of practical benefits that we're talking about in terms of scheduling, posting updates, posting information, you know, what do you see as sort of the, you know, emotional or social benefits of setting up your own, um, you know, personal website? Do you find that folks, you know, do, do, do folks find it kind of cathartic? Does it give them a sense of relief? Does it give them a sense of community? I mean, what are some of the social and emotional benefits of doing this? Yeah, great question. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges that I see patients struggle with is a loss of sense of control when they're diagnosed Mm -hmm. with cancer in so many ways. Control over um, what's going on with their body, how their body responds, how they spend their time, how they spend their money, what's happening with their, you know, are they able to return to work? And um, so, you know, one way that I talk to people about my lifeline is that it can allow them to gain more of a sense of control over the information that gets mm-hmm. out there and how it's communicated with friends and family. That's another very challenging piece. Um, but the other piece is just being able to post your story, to narrate your story and your experience in and of itself could be, um, could be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And then we hear a lot from people who use the site that the messages that they receive back, just brief messages even, just to let them know that they're thinking of them, um, that those messages just mean mean a tremendous amount to people. And as, it might, as Michael had mentioned before, you know, sometimes people are up late at night worrying about the scan or the test results that they're going to get back the next day. They go online and they see those postings or they can connect with other people who are up at 3 in the morning, and it's so helpful to them. So. And, and Marsha, Marcia, the site obviously is private. People 
can choose who they want to invite to see their site? What are the sort of different filters and privacy components? Yeah, there's three levels. Um, one is one is open, where they where they um, they encourage people that they even who just happen to find them or they just meet um, to communicate with them. Um, one is limited, where people need to be registered on my Lifeline just with their name and email address, and um, that way they. They need to be registered in order to post something. They can read anything. Anybody can read, but people who are registered on that specific site and the patient or the caregiver has accepted that person, they can, they can post. And the other one is totally closed. Um, in private, everybody needs a password. It's the site is not Googleable, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we take it privacy and security. Is it is now? Okay, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we take privacy and security very, uh, very seriously. That is another one of the differentiators from other sites like Facebook. On my lifeline, the patient and the caregiver, whoever signs up for the site, owns that information. On Facebook, for example, they own your inform- Facebook owns your information, anything you post. Um, so on my lifeline, you it and with critical health information that you may be sharing with friends and family, you want to own that information. Um, it's just just a better idea in general. Right, right. And Dr. Mitchell, just a quick question till we go to break here. Um, do you do you find sometimes that that even the discussion or negotiation between the patient and their caregiver or you know, if it's a if it's a spouse or a partner or just even the discussion about what goes on, what doesn't go on, how are we gonna say this, is that you know, does that become a good sort of negotiation between people? Does it become a way to improve communication between partners? You know, that's an interesting thought. Um, I haven't really hear, heard much feedback on that. I don't know. Have you, Marsha? I have some, yeah, I have some feedback. I actually have an exact quote about that that someone wrote on a, one of our surveys um, regarding how they feel connected. This woman wrote, friends and family feel connected to my journey. Even my husband commented that he feels closer to my experience through reading my updates. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really, that's right. a very powerful statement. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can imagine because just to take the time to you know, put the experience into, in, you know, into words and, 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 and language and, you know, can be very um, insightful to one another or even a discussion between a couple about what to share, what not to share, how to share it. You know, some people are more open and revealing than, than others, you know, may want to be. And I think, imagine it could be an interesting back and forth um, on that communication. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking about finding cancer support online. Um, we're talking about ways to set up your own personal website if you're going through cancer through mylifeline.org. We're uh, talking about through the cancer support community, uh, uh, joining an online support group or a discussion board um, or, or even on our uh, helpline. There's a live chat uh, function on our helpline um, and uh, there's a way that you can immediately engage with one of our counselors uh, if you uh, are online and want to engage with one of the helpline counselors. We've got more to talk about. We're going to go into the final segment of our show in just a minute. Uh, Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. 
links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, sponsored in part today by McKesson's Giving Comfort Program, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Greenville Health System, and Morphotech. Uh, we're having a great discussion about online support with Michael States, Dr. Jill Mitchell, and Marsha Donzinger. So let's keep going. I want to focus our last segment on some of the uh, logistical uh, issues of, of uh, online support uh, tools and the various uh, resources that are out there. Michael, um, let me ask you this. Does participating in our uh, online support groups require a high level of uh, computer skills? Are there any downloads or other system requirements are folks need to know before they get involved in an online support group? One of the first things I would, I would say to people is it does not require a high level of computer skills. Um, we immediately tell people you can forget about punctuation, you can forget about spelling and typos. The job is to just be here and be with us. Um, and so, you know, that helps because people get very anxious about their computer skills. In terms of the downloads, there are so many different technical devices out there that people are using from iPads to laptops to whatever. There are a, a variety of downloads that are applicable to the individual system requirements. So the listeners can, can check with our IT department, for example. I know that with an iPad, there are specific downloads such as Puffin that seem to work more effectively with the online chat, the weekly online chat groups, versus just accessing the discussion boards. And so that would be the kind of thing where it would need to be matched with their particular uh, device, but it is all doable and, and not complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael, I'm also wondering, are there any, any guidelines for posting in online support groups, any type of etiquette. I know I have eight nieces and nephews who always say TMI, you know, too much information. Um, right. Any type of etiquette or guidelines for folks in these online groups? I think so. I think, it, first of all, in, in the committed groups that are professionally facilitated in real time, that's where having the professional facilitator to sort of guide and redirect if somebody were to start telling somebody what they should be doing or they're doing it wrong, which, which I must say virtually... I can count on the fingers of one hand where that happens, but it is something that you have to pay attention to. But I think the overall confidentiality is important as well as telling people what they should or shouldn't do because each person needs to come to this in their own way. In the, in the open discussion boards, they are carefully monitored so that nobody is soliciting or trying to sell you know, supplements because they know they're on a cancer site and people get anxious about what can I do and that kind of thing. Nobody can solicit funds and, and or research projects that haven't been previously approved by the cancer support community. So I think there's a very high degree of responsibility that mm-hmm. happens in, in that as well as the, the etiquette that's involved. And people are very mindful of that um, and really respectful of each other's needs in, in, in many ways and, and absolutely supportive. Uh, Dr. Mitchell, any information you would 
discourage people from posting online? Yeah, great question. And I think there are always risks involved with posting something on the Internet, but that's one of the reasons why I really recommend a site like mylifeline.org because because of the different levels of registration or security. Um, I think, you know, as much as thinking about what you post, it's also important to think about who do you invite into the circle that um, you allow to see your post. So uh, you may want to just invite closer friends or family members onto your mylifeline.org website, and then uh, you have different users on your Facebook account. Um, or, you know, you can set it up a variety of different ways. Uh, the other thing I'd be a little cautious about is posting anything related to work or caution about inviting work colleagues on because although we see a lot of employers who are wonderful and go beyond, far beyond what they're required to do by law, mm-hmm. still we do some people who face, some people who face discrimination or have, uh, have a hard time or, or lose their employment through, yeah. through cancer. Yeah. I think all good, all good advice. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our show. I'm going to ask each of you if you'll just share for a moment um, resources, tips for anyone out there today who's diagnosed with cancer, um, may have folks who are just being diagnosed now or maybe have been dealing with cancer for uh, some time. Just a, a couple of quick tips for them when they're diagnosed, you know, related to connecting into these online support groups or just related generally. Uh, to the cancer journey. Michael, let me start with you. Sure. The, first of all, the diagnosis of cancer is like a mobile. You touch one piece, the person who's diagnosed everything in one's life, family, et cetera, all change. And so for whether it's for the caregiver, whether it's for the person touched by cancer or a friend, to, to check out the living room, to check out my lifeline, to look at the variety of resources that are available so that you know that you don't have to be alone, that unwanted aloneness, loss of hope and loss of control are things that can be mitigated by participation and by, by following those things which resonate as true for you in terms of what you need and recognize for your cancer journey. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good advice, Michael. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Mitchell? Yeah, I think although one person in the family may have the physical disease of cancer, everyone in the family is impacted by the illness, the social, the emotional uh, impact of this experience. And so everyone may need additional support at this time. And yet it can be challenging to sort through what you need. So I would encourage people to see if there is a social worker at their center that they can talk to to help navigate what's most important or what's most beneficial to them at any point in time. Or if a social worker isn't available, I know CSC's helpline is a great resource. Yeah, and I just want to mention that the CSC phone number, if folks uh, have a pen and they want to jot this down, it is a toll-free helpline, and it is um, staffed with uh, licensed counselors Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and that number is 888-793-9355, 888-793-9355. You can jump on the phone with a counselor, and uh, they can help you with um, information, with resources, if you're facing difficult decisions in your cancer journey, if you just really need somebody to talk to and hear about some of your challenges, you know, we're there for you. So um, so give us a call on that. Marsha, you've been through this, um, diagnosed with cancer at a young age, been through quite a bit. You turned that experience into this wonderful resource, mylifeline.org, for others. Um, <laughs> 
tips or advice for someone diagnosed? Yeah, I mean, the the top three things that I did that helped me were um, to get connected with an oncology social social worker who could help me grieve through the different processes of, of being diagnosed with cancer and find the right treatment path from a social and emotional viewpoint um, that was right for me individually. So I would encourage everyone to do that if you can in your center or, or online through Cancer Support Community and really take control. There is ways to take control over over the over everything that falls on you after a cancer diagnosis comes and uh, my lifeline and other, you know, discussion boards can really help connect you to peers and your own friends and family who all want to help and it just makes it easier to to teach your support network how to be there for you and that's that's really why my lifeline was developed. Yeah, congratulations again on that, Marsha. I know it's been a, a you know, a, a, a project of, of, of great passion for you, and I know it's grown quite a bit over the years, and, and uh, you've had a lot of good folks involved there, um, including Maria Smith, who used to work at the Cancer Support Community, who's now with you yeah. guys, which is really um, exciting. I know you have a growing team there, and um, we're very pleased to be um, to be a partner with you. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We've been talking about finding uh, cancer support online. Uh, I want to thank our guest today, Michael States, uh, Cancer Support Community online support group facilitator, uh, Dr. Jill Mitchell, an oncology social worker at Rocky Mountain Cancer Centers, and Marsha Donziger, who's the founder and chief mission officer of mylifeline.org. It's really been um, a wonderful conversation. We've talked about uh, uh, how to plug into an online support group and the various um, uh, chat rooms and, and discussion boards that are available through the cancer support community. We've talked about how to set up your own personal website through mylifeline.org so you can share your story, reach out to folks in your community who may want to help you and support you through your journey. Um, So take a look at that site as well. And again, we're very pleased at the Cancer Support Community to be a partner with mylifeline.org. I want to remind you that we have a host of free services, a cancer support community, uh, in person, online, over the phone. Uh, If you or someone you know is uh, facing a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to do it alone. For information about our programs, visit cancersupportcommunity.org. Or as I said, you can call our helpline at 888-793-9355. Thanks for listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.